Otis Show. It's the only podcast dedicated to my buddy Sammy. Sammy Hagar, that is. What is understood need to be discussed, especially if it's about Sammy Hagar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Summer nights and my radio, that's all we need, baby. Don't you know? But I might argue you need one other thing. Us. Why? Come on. We are the world's only dedicated Sammy Hagar podcast. This is the Bogus Otis Show. I am Bo-host Brent. That is Bo-host D. D, my man, what is in your glass tonight, sir? Well, I'm mixing it up, man. Now tonight I have a, uh, because our guest is mint, I have a mint macadamia nut mule. So it's ginger beer, a Sammy's macadamia nut rum, which if you can find it, it's awesome on its own or poured on ice cream. Ginger beer, a little bit of lime, ice, boom, off you go. This I mean, was actually, I've never had it before until tonight. It's really good. You're a happy guy. And the next time I'm at your house, you're going to make me one of those for sure. Yeah. Hey, listen, a quick news item. Uh, our young little man, Wolfgang Van Halen, got married the other day. Look at that. Can you believe it? It's not to this guest's daughter, right? Because I know he used to chase her around the kitchen table or something. I'm, yeah, I mean, it's it's quite possible. It's quite possible. Hey, listen, do you know, we always muse about this life on the road. What must that be like? And I, I think everyone who was a 16-year-old kid, a fan of 80s rock, was like, I'm going to be a roadie. I'm going on the road with the band. That's what I'm going to do. Well, you know, we have a treat for you tonight if you want to know about life on the road. And that is because... We have a very special guest tonight. We're welcoming to the Bogus Otis Show, Mr. Bob Dates, road manager and all things extraordinaire for Van Halen for many, many years. Bob, welcome to the Bogus Otis Show. My Queen Elizabeth. Hello. Hello, Margaret. Killer wave. I love that. That's a good wave. Good work. uh, Don't forget, I also work for Sam, too. Yeah, so you, we we actually want to hit that, you know, um, 1984 VOA. Uh, I mean, who the heck doesn't drive down the road? To, I can't drive 55. What was it like? I don't. Yeah, I, don't I, I mean, I mean, I hope you go 65 or more for sure. Um, let, let's let's go right back to the beginning of your first introduction to Sammy, even pre Van Halen and your experience with him uh, on the road in the mid 80s. What, what was it like seeing him? As a real rising solo artist. All right. I'm actually going to take you back a little bit farther than that. Um, When I was a production manager for Cedric Kushner Productions, um, a concert promoter. Here, hold on one second. Hold on one second. This is not one of Sam's beers. Cheers. (laughs) But it's yours. Cheers, sir. Cheers. Um, Ah, yes, the mule. I was a production manager for a concert promoter named Cedric Kushner. We all worked together and did shows all over the East Coast, uh, major markets, secondary markets, Bangor to Buffalo, Boston to Baltimore. We did everything in between. We did a whole bunch of, of, uh, of theater shows and three-act shows and everything. And one of the recurrent artists who we did shows with on, on, yearly was a band called Montrose. Mm. 
So I've actually known Sam since he was singing in that band. Long before there was solo projects, there was before there was Standing Hampton and Red and VOA, there was Montrose. So Sam and I go back to, oh boy, I hope my driver's license doesn't tell the truth, but to the early 70s. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. And and middle 70s. So um, we reconnected uh, with VOA through one of our mutual friends, my best friend and and the best man at my wedding. Dave Davidian, who was the lighting designer um, and lighting director for Sam and then Van Halen. And uh, now he tour manages Alice Cooper. Um, But he called me one day and said, you want to go out on the road and uh, production manage Sam. And that's that what that was VOA. And uh, so then from there. He moved over. Obviously, you know the history. Everybody knows the history of what yeah. happened, but not everybody was there in Indianapolis, Indiana, at Farm Aid the day he told the world he was joining that band. That was an, an interesting day. So, so let's let's chat about that. You, you've hit on a cool point that our last couple of episodes, this very point has actually come up, talking about Farm Aid and uh, the appearance with Eddie joining him. We had Steve Rosen uh, as a guest, who's just written the book Tone Chaser. And Steve talked about his experience uh, being there at Farm Aid. Uh, here's Sammy and Eddie comes out and, it, you know, this magic happens. What must have been happening behind the scenes, backstage? They come out. Here's this big announcement. All of a sudden, Sammy is the new singer of Van Halen. Uh, what must have it been like to be in that environment when that, that happened? I honestly didn't know all of the undercurrent and all the the uh, back office planning and negotiations i was on the east coast they were all doing this on the west coast but um and nor was i in sam's band (laughs) so i i actually saw it coming at least for by about 24 hours or so um and uh, that was a, an interesting day in Indianapolis when uh, Ed and Sam, I'm sorry, Edward and Alex were sort of incognito and the rest of the band were in their own world. This was a surprise announcement, to say the least. Uh, Roth I'm not sure if the whole world knew that Roth was out of the band. I'm not sure if they knew that um, Noel Monk or all the other managers was were gone. Uh, I, I don't know, because uh, I wasn't really a big Van Halen guy at the time. Um, but uh, I know that Sam's band didn't know. And uh, it uh, it was quite a surprise to all of us. I drove out from Columbus, Ohio, where I lived, to interview with Ed Now that day. So I looked after Ed Now and uh, and Sam's tour manager, Chris Pollan, God rest his soul at the time, looked after Sam and the rest of the band. And and Sam did a, you know, Sam was was, um, pretty busy (laughs) and uh, kept uh, at, to, to his own chores and his own stuff. And, 
the only time they were all together, uh, I mean, really publicly, was right at the end of the set when Sam introduced. Um, and it was, it was a moment. It was a moment to see the audience's faces, and it was a moment to see the band's faces. They were very different. <laughs> wow, interesting. That's super cool. You know, uh, in uh, the, speaking volumes of Sam's civility and 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 uh, and how how much of a gentleman he is. Um, you know, he never really cut off those guys. He did pursue another career, but they never really they never really parted company, and they they were they were never really. I don't think I, I you know it, a band is a marriage. I don't think they ever officially got divorced. And I think Sam was more than humane about that. I mean, there are guys who relied on, on, on that band touring for their, their livelihoods. And I think Sam did very good by them. He was very, very, very civil. Um, <clears throat> uh, Gary Peel chose to move on and went to Boston, played in Boston with Tom Schultz. Trust me, I would have rather stayed with Sam. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not saying Tom Schultz is a hard day, but um, but Gary moved on. But you know, they, but Dave, uh, Jesse, Bill, those guys still had something going on. And uh, when it all came back, when it all came back, full circle again, I think they were all still Sam's, you know, family, extended family, or renewable family. Yeah, absolutely. We we had uh, David uh, Bro Lesser <laughs> as a guest on our show last season, and um, he talked about uh, he he was pretty sure that he probably is Sammy's longest uh, still remaining friend. I think they knew each other when they were about seventeen years old, and I mean, even still in videos that you see, Sammy still refers to him as Bro, and I think they have that bro. that relationship bro. that's you know it's lasted for sixty years. So it's a great testament to what you're saying. I think Blouser's a little bit younger than Hagar, maybe by 50 minutes or something, but no, but I mean, it's, it's bro is uh, bro's bro. And he's a good, he's a good man. And Jesse Harms is a good man. And, uh, you know, um, and Bill Church is Bill Church. There are many like him. So it was a, it was a, it's a memorable day. You know, um, Sam's connection to Farm Aid has continued. Unfortunately, he hasn't introduced himself in a different band every year. So that's good. <laughs> so you were there on the very first day of Van Hagar. Were you? Oh, how, how close Don't, were you? Uh, it was Van Halen. I just said that for our listeners to differentiate what Sammy joined is what I mean. Well, if you're, <laughs> yes, if I all, agree. If they're all graduates of the College of Musical Knowledge, they'll understand that a band is a band is a band. Yeah. Okay. But if you were there on the literal ground zero of Van Halen uh, with Sammy, were you, how close were you to ground zero the day that Sammy departed Van Halen? Believe it or not, um, uh, sort of right there too. Um, <clears throat> um, I was not asked to depart the band. Uh, company, company. Um, Sam left. I wasn't there. Um, I've always been East Coast and they've always been West Coast. So I wasn't in 
on any of the uh, fireworks that might have happened in in and around it. I mean, on tour, I think departures and separations happen um, have to happen essentially while the project is going on. There are things that have to set them off. There are things that have to set off the, uh, you know, the, the there are things that have to be the catalyst. So there were de- there were there were shows and there were moments and there were things like that that I'm sure if I was in Edward's head and Alex's head and Sam's head could look. I'm sorry. Could look back at those as as the uh, sort of the camel straws. Um, but uh, as far as the uh, the actual actual physical um, day in court, I wasn't there. Thank God. Um, <laughs> it, this you know. this is something that Darren and I talk about quite a bit, and 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 we often lament. Um, uh, this is no secret to Darren. He knows that for me, balance is one of my favorite Van Halen records. Love it. Love it. Love it. There's a lot of folks that say, you know, it, it's dark and it was foreshadowing and the end was near and, you know, all, all of these things. And I think still what is a true testament to what you say, Sammy, as, as a man and as, and as a person and as a performer, as an audience member, if you were at a show on the balance tour, Odds are you had no idea that all that drama was going on behind the scenes because they still put on a kick-ass show. That was an incredible tour. The Balance album was a very powerful album. And looking back now, we go, man, if we had known then that that was going to be the end, what would we have done as fans? Balance. Where's Balance? I'm looking at my wall. See where Balance is. Yeah, I'm trying to see. But... Where was that? What and that was that, Brent? What was yeah, that? we're. Ju- I'm just saying, like, it, as an audience member, you saw the power of oh. that show and the power of that, and and you you wouldn't to the to the casual observer, you'd go, these guys still love each other, and there's not and there's nothing wrong. But looking back on it, we go, man, had we had we known us as fans, w- what would we we have felt about that? Would we have looked at it as this is the last time we're going to see? Sammy with Van Halen versus just assuming that there'll be another album and another tour and so on. That's showbiz. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, when you think about it, um, I don't know that uh, they, I don't know that any of them saw it all that far down the line to know that it was that it was going to happen. I, 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 I think there, there were little things. Bear with me, bud. Uh, okay. Um, I don't know that they. Uh, I don't know that they all felt it coming on as much as 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 they as as it was. Um, I think in any band and any marriage. There's usually one thing or one overbearing issue that, that, that works its way up to the top or works its way up to a boiling point. And uh, usually during the third set. <laughs> yeah, or the encore. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it uh, you know, it, it, it's um, 
what happens on stage is magic and professionals appreciate that. Um, yeah, take a look at that. I mean, there are bands that now publicly don't get along that still perform that we all know that we all we all know of. I mean, Journey. Journey's a band that 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 has internal strife going on now that, that that's public. I mean, it's public domain. It's not like me talking. You know, Neil and Jonathan don't see eye to eye. Um, Arnel Pineda speaks out publicly about it, but they get on stage and bam, can't stop believing. You know what I mean? So it's um, I would I would I would not expect anything less from any of that those band members, Michael. Alex, Edward, Sam, um, uh, nothing less than perfection. That's what they sell. That's what they go to the mailbox to open, to get their checks for. You know, mailbox money doesn't come in mediocrity. It comes in perfection. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, so there it was, you know, there it was. I mean, uh, there would never, I mean, there, when you're getting paid a million bucks, you got to smile. <laughs> or whatever yeah. you know so ed now <laughs> and michael and and sam could always smile at each other because they were making shit tons of money <gasps> oh can i swear on tv yeah of course you can yeah i know okay but uh you know um i wouldn't have expected anything less i've been in bands i played in bands and you know there were there were days when you walked on stage and you just you know would rather stick up you know a, a, a um firecracker up somebody's ass and smile at them but you know yeah. what so be it yeah that show goes we, we talk about this a lot too when I, i've been in a band as well and it, i think most bands are just uh one set away from crumbling anyways because i mean it's, it just seems like it's all there's always so, like here's, here's you're right it is kind of like a marriage there's, there's always some sort of issue that's kind of bumbling around under the surface and uh can only take a bad night or a bad set or someone missing a cue for things to come up right but uh was it three dog night? One is the loneliest number. One paycheck away from homeless. One song away from breaking up. One ex wife away from poverty. I mean, you know, lots of things. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's but, it. You know, but truly, truly, uh, you know, Ed and Al um, are consummate, penultimate, the penultimate musicians, professional, professional musicians. If they don't make music every day, they don't operate well. They don't function well. They're in the studio every single day making music, whether it's for, for a record or just for the just for keeping their fingers going. And um, <clears throat> you know, you could you you could you could see that with the band. I mean, you know, Sam loves people. Sam loves performing. Sam loves um, Sam loves being Sam. And, and what the audience gives him back. And uh, so does Ed, so does Al, so does Mikey, you know, and that's win, lose, or draw, you know. I mean, you, it's it's about your friendship with the audience, not your friendship amongst each other, per se. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, who are those guys from Oasis? Um, Neil and... Uh, yeah, the Gallagher brothers. Yeah. The Gallagher's, you know. You don't walk up to your brother in the middle of a, of a show and punch him in the face. That's fairly immature. <laughs> you know, 
Uh, talk to us, Bob, about um, a little bit broader about the industry. There are probably some listeners who maybe don't understand the distinction between a production manager, a tour manager, a road manager. What what are sort of the main responsibilities of of, uh, <laughs> of these jobs? Kind of you know helping to lead a band on the road. Well, uh, let's see if I can give you some of my uh, my my witty analogies, um, which I've become so infamous for. Please um, do, sir. Produ- Please do. Well, a production manager is the first one up and the last one to sleep. Um, he's the guy that doesn't travel with the band. He travels with the production crew. He hires the crew. He hires the buses, the trucks. He, he's the liaison with the band's manager and the band to put the production design and, and, and concept together and make it happen and build it up. And, and he's the guy that, um, and he's the job foreman. So that, you know, uh, on a tour, you analyze each venue that you go into and, and each city that you're going to do. And you see whether you're going to take your A rig in or whether you have to adjust it, make it a B rig, or you have to take a C rig or let this truss out or let that truss out. You got to fit it on a 30 foot stage instead of a 60 foot stage. You got to fit it in a, in a, in a theater instead of a stadium. Um, the production manager really is the, he's the water wheel that makes electricity. Um, the road manager, the old days, there was a road manager before there were tour managers, the title was road manager because everybody was on their own, uh, maintaining their own lives and things like that. But, uh, the road manager in, in, you know, I, on tour, there's a band's manager whose career development is their his responsibility and, and all the liaisons between the record companies, the agents, the booking agents, the this, the that, the that, the that. So the, the band's manager is usually the boss of the, of the management team. We all work for the band. Don't get me wrong. Nobody's the boss except the band, in theory. <laughs> um, I'm not mentioning any names, but their initials are Irving Azar. Um, you know, people like that. Do. But, um, <laughs> um, but, uh, but the tour manager immediately has a contact with the band's manager. He knows what's going on. He knows if there's any little special deals going on or special promotion, uh, promotions or projects or plans for, uh, you know, the, in the old days, it was Letterman and this and that, or, or they were planning to do a show. They were getting ready to plan a Japanese tour. They were getting ready to plan a, a video shoot or all those other things. So the tour manager has a long-term knowledge of, uh, and, 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 and sees the big picture and the scope. The road manager is usually the guy who's a little bit more immediately concerned with the welfare of the band, the day-to-day. And so what I used to say is the tour manager does tomorrow, the road manager does today. The tour manager works on the phone and the computer and the road manager works on his hands and knees. And, um, you know, for me, uh, I was a hotel concierge for four seasons hotels on the off seasons. I'd go out and I'd, I'd, go on tour and come back and go back to a Four Seasons Hotel, put my stupid monkey suit on and do exactly what I did on tour in a hotel. Um, <laughs> I would, uh, you know, I mean, listen, <clears throat> people used to say, I want that job that Bob Dates does, which is pretty cool, you know, but they didn't know that that I could I could hem, hem a pair of pants. They didn't know that I could fix a seam. They didn't know that I could shorten a sleeve on a jacket. They didn't know that I had 
magic fixes with duct tape and two-sided tape for this rip and that rip. And they didn't know that I knew shirt makers in LA and pants makers and costumers and people like that. Like the, the joke was I'd always beat Steven Tyler to a shirt maker in LA. Um, and whenever, whenever he would go into the showroom to pick out shirts for his tour shirts, <coughs> the joke would be, has he been here yet? He left yesterday. Okay, what didn't he buy? So <laughs> Tyler would get the shirts that I didn't pick for Sam or Ed. You know, nice. and, That's and awesome. when when we would do a, an award show, if the wardrobe trunk was in was in our trailer, he'd come in and see the shirts that he didn't get. <laughs> um, and same thing with shoes. And we do. We once did a deal with Nike that I, that you know I started out. And, was lucky enough to start out the start the ball rolling uh, where they did uh, the Van Halen logo stitched <coughs> excuse me stitched on the back of 150 pairs of Nike trainers and we gave them out to radio stations to you know it was it was a great great promotional item not many people have Van Halen sneakers um not many people can wear them now because the rubber is deteriorating, but that's just yeah. from age, not because they were made in another country. But, you know, at the end of the tour, uh, we gave out 250 Tag Hoyer or Hoyer wristwatches with Van Halen's logo on the face. And I, I was the first one to do watches. After that, <clears throat> Supertramp did them, Pink Floyd did them, Fleetwood Mac did them. But I was the guy at two o'clock in the morning talking French <clears throat> to Geneva, Switzerland with Tet with Hoyer making deals for these watches. And um, I'm not going to say that I was already awake at two o'clock in the morning, but nonetheless, the calls had to be made. So I was awake for it. Um, and uh, the road manager, road manager has to be the tour manager is the boss. Got a very, 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 very um, high profile and high pressure job the production manager has a high pressure job because that you know you're you're looking after a million dollar a day budget or and and you've got uh, nowadays and it's not just five or eight trucks anymore it's 25 50 or 100 trucks on the road <clears throat> and not three or four buses but 14 15 buses on the road production managers are worth their weight in gold nowadays there are a handful of those guys at the top of the ladder. Um, Van Halen had a couple of them and they've gone on to become highfalutin guys in the, in the touring world. And, and they were highfalutin then working for Van Halen, but because of evolution, the scale of touring has just exploded out of, out of way out of anyone's, anyone's idea or anyone's dream of how big it was going to get. <clears throat> production manager, tour manager, literally booking charter jets, booking, working with the travel agents, doing everything down the road, making sure. So my job was to make sure that <clears throat> as a road manager and road managers on tours now, uh, I think have taken on that sa the same role, making sure that the day to day runs smooth, smoothly, 
the day-to-day that 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 the lives that somebody looks after the band's family when they come, somebody looks after the band's doctor, somebody makes sure that there's a, a guy coming to the to the to the to the gig to give somebody a B12 shot or or there's a doctor coming in. I mean, I didn't have worldwide pandemics. I didn't have any of that back then. I just had, you know, roadies getting ready to jump off buildings because their girlfriends were dumping them and 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 rock stars who drank too much. You know, it's really so easy that. I gotta really ask you: Was it harder or easier before the day of uh, mobile phones and instant communications? Was it all like was it easier back then when you just had to make phone calls or faxes? I guess, or is it just too crazy? Is it? It was a little easier, a little bit more peaceful. It was a little bit more peaceful. I mean, you set you set your time aside during the day, and you sit down in your production office, and you make your ten phone calls. You get them done, and the rest of the day you got to do it. Nowadays, you're walking back with an armful of towels and your phone rings, you know, with some schmo in, in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, who wants to talk about what color towels you want for the show in six weeks. You don't have, you know, it's it is a lot different. The connectivity is can be incredibly invasive nowadays. Pardon me. Yeah, that's here's the word I was looking for. Invasive. Yeah, oh, I guess. Here's the on all the time. Right. Let's let's raise a toast to Wolfie. Yeah, I love that. Cheers to Wolfie. Cheers to Wolfie. Make us grandchildren, Wolfie. <laughs> so, Bob, um, Sammy just had his 76th birthday. Birthday October bash. October 13th. Cabo Wabo, just finished. He, Square. Yeah, it was 1013 again, right? So It's 1013 every year. <laughs> all the time, yeah. So, Darren and I talk about this quite a bit as well. There, you say there, a boot? A boot. We talk a boot. Yeah, yeah, we're a bit Scottish too, you know? <laughs> if it isn't Scottish, it's crap, Bob. Um, here's what we talk about a lot, a lot. This comes up and that is Sammy is 76. Now he still is at the top of his game in everything that he does as a businessman, as a performer, as a quality singer, as a guitar player on and on. Darren and I have these chats and debates about, you know, is, is there anybody left in that category that still is at his level at his age of, uh, you know, an iconic vocalist front man is there anybody else that you would put in that stratosphere that is on that sammy level still all of these decades later well as far as intensity at his age as far as intensity at his age robert plant might be a little older than him um and i know he's got a lot of energy he play he plays two hours of tennis every day not anybody can do that not 56 year olds or 46 year olds Steven Tyler is is still um, a very, very active performer. Does he run around the stage like Sam? Don't know. I haven't seen Sam perform in a year or two, so I don't know if he runs around as much either. But um, uh, but there are performers who are his age. There are performers who are still working. God bless him, Willie Nelson. Keep living. I hope he lives to 150. He's 90 years old, and he's still got it. Okay. And if you ask Sam, you know, Sam, I'm sure Sam looks up to, to Willie, A, because he's got great weed, and B, because he's still working, you know? Um, uh, no, I, I think I remember the I remember the second time Sam ever smoked weed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's still paying for that room service bill. Um, but, but um, you know, you know, no one is living his life as intensely as Sam that I can think of. 
but I don't know everybody else's behind the scenes. I don't know how many deals that, that Steven Tyler has. I don't know how many deals that Neil Sean has. I don't know how many deals. And, you know, we got to think about uh, Tom Waits still making movies. Do the, I mean, you know, think about those guys. These are all, yeah. these are all probably Sam's age. I mean, but, and if you, I think we, it's a whole other show to think about how many well-known artists there are that are Sam's age. Rockers in the high intensity rock and roll genre. I mean, I mean let's face it. Um, uh, what's his name? The lead singer in Iron Maiden. Uh, what's his name? Bruce, Bruce Dickinson. Dickinson. Bruce yes, Dickinson. Yeah. Bruce we talk about him. We talk about maybe David Coverdale's in the small I mean, group. Bruce Dickinson still fences competitively. Yeah. I know that Sam Hagar cannot do a split. Bruce Dickinson can. Um, <laughs> Neil, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, Coverdale, Coverdale's had some health challenges, you know, um, uh, but he, David Coverdale, but, you know, there's, think about it. I mean, you know, I mean, Seeger's his age. Um, Seeger's not working much, but per se, I mean, Aaron Neville's his age and he's retired, but he's struggled. So, I mean, Sam, I mean, Sam, holy shit, Sam, you know, I mean, he really is, um, you know, yes, he is. He is the Elon Musk of metal. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's great. But he ain't using electric cars. Believe me, his cars guzzle the gas. But I mean, he just, you know, Sam, Sam is the, is the, um, He's he's the ever ready, but he's the ever ready bunny. I mean, he's just killing it. I mean, he just he's got a he's got a I mean, he's a dynamo. Um, you know, if, if it's not beach, but Sammy's beach bum cocktails, it's his rum. It's his vodka. It's his tequila. It's his now his beer. It's his restaurants. It's his touring. It's his philanthropy. It's his it's his kids. He's got. 40,000 kids. No, he's got, you know, I mean, <clears throat> no, Sammy Kama, um, you know, uh, and, and, uh, and his boys. Okay. Uh, Andrew and, uh, and Aaron, I mean, he's got four kids, you know, I mean, he still keeps in contact with them. He's so, I mean, Sam's a good man. Sam's a good man. Sam definitely has four double a batteries stuck up his ass. Dude, I feel I feel like you do as well, man. Like you talk, you talked about guys like how you described yourself that are hard to, you know, are highly sought after. You must be one of those guys. Have you ever tried to been poached? Like what's what's a band that you can review? Well, no, no, no. Been poached Hold by? on, hold on. Here's a cool. This I'll in, in defense of myself. I'm unemployable. Nobody likes me. Um, you got to know me to love me. Um. My 40-year resume is one page long, which is neither good nor bad. Somebody says to you, oh, I work for everybody. Do you want to hire that guy? You know, no, I work for five people for 40 years. That ain't bad either. Um, so it's... A, it's a, that's quite the list of names. That list of five is pretty heavy-duty names, right? I do, well, you want to remind me who they are? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Metallica. Van Halen. No, no, I, I never really worked for Metallica. I never worked for Metallica. I speak Danish, so I know Lars. Poison. Okay, I, I tour managed Poison. Um, Tina Turner. By, well, I got hired by Ike Turner in 1969. Most of the listeners weren't born then. Touchwood. Okay. Um, some are, some were. But, 
you know, and then I went back and worked for Tina Turner and I worked for the outlaws and I, and I, and, and, you know, the Rolling Stones. I mean, my, I, I did a band called Green Jelly. Remember it's amazing. Green Jelly? Remember yeah. Green Jelly? I do. They had that little claymation thing. Mm-hmm. That was actually a lot of fun because nobody, <clears throat> nobody in that band wanted to tour. Nobody in that band was good enough to tour, but they admitted it. And they worked for a record company and the record company didn't know how to get them on the road. But the next thing they knew, they had the hottest video in the world. I worked for the record company. We had one meeting and the next thing they know, the guy calls me, goes, they want to go on tour, but they want to go with you, which was pretty cool. And we went everywhere in the world twice and, and then came home. Uh, I, I can't, I can't complain about one day of touring other than, well, there, you know, uh, like I'm on the road in the, in the early seventies and I'm breaking up with my girlfriend. I'm miserable. That's miserable for anybody. You could be at home. You could be on the road. You could be you know, hanging from a, a rafter with your feet tied together upside down and be miserable. I, I was on the road and my wife was pregnant and I was nervous. That wasn't not, that wasn't fun. But if I needed a plane to go home when my wife went into labor, Sam Hagar would have put a plane on the runway for me. We finished the tour cool. leg. I went home and 10 days later, my wife had a baby. Uh, you know, Sam Hagar was there when I, this, here you go. You want an anecdote? I got one for you. Uh, or, listen, Sam Hagar was there when I met my wife in Beaumont, Texas, September 3rd, 1984. Okay, VOA tour, Beaumont Civic Center, September 4th, 1984. So I met my wife. I chased her down to the swimming pool because it was hot. I talked to her for two hours, went back to my hotel room. I said, Dave Davidian, who was a lighting guy, I said, I just met the woman I'm going to marry. And he said, I'll be right up to help you finish that joint because you're high. And And two years later, he was the best man at my wedding. So Sam Hagar was there when I met my wife. <clears throat> Sam, ha- Sam Hagar was in a restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, when I proposed to my wife. So was Alex. So was Ed. So was Mike. Sam Hagar was at my wedding when I met my wife 37 years ago. Uh, 37 years, three months ago. Um, and Sam Hagar was around, uh, not necessarily immediately but you know when both my daughters were born so think about all the major milestones in your life that you share with people and how many there are of them i mean sam and i go way back go you know that's why that's why we started this podcast because we're like sammy's a unique guy and it seems like he's got this crazy extended family who all respect and love one another it's pretty amazing well, you never know. He could be parents to all of you. Um, only kidding, awesome. Sam. Only kidding, Sam. <laughs> you, you've hit Dad. on a really, you've hit on a really important thing here, though, Bob. You, when when you and I first were chatting, when we invited you to come on as a guest, you immediately were very respectful of the fact that there is that long-standing relationship there not only with Sammy, but other members of Van Halen. And you still, even though you don't work together anymore, you still are part of this uh, extended family that supports each other and protects each other. And uh, you just don't hear stories like that of, you know, that kind of 
relationship, never mind just even in the length of time, but the quality of of the relationship. And I I mean, I kind of joked with Darren. I was like, I think I think we're going to get Bob to come on the show, but I'm not sure. He's not convinced yet. He's got to do he's doing his research. He's checking. And we're like, we have mad respect for the fact that you weren't going to come on this show until you crossed the T's and dotted the I's. And that I, I think speaks to the relationships we're talking about. Well, I put the curves at both ends of the S and, <laughs> and, and, and he was the guy that said, go do it. You know, um, Sam said, yeah, but you know, he said, you get me killed. I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Um, I, I don't think any of us have anything to hide. I mean, <clears throat> skeletons are fun as long as they stay in the closet uh, but you know there's guys there are guys who i will be friends with to my last breathing living day there are guys i will never forget on that tour and it was quite a wonderful i mean there are there have been podcasts there are whatever they are uh, live streams of, of of our team um you know there's toby fleming who was a stage manager Tobin Fleming from, from Lubeck, Maine. It is the single northeasternmost point in the United States. If, if, if you stagger drunk out of your house, you're in Canada, right? We helped him when he rode in the Tour de France for three years. And he's a writer. He wrote tour books about our tour for years and years. And every day, a, a, you know, a memoir, a, a, a journal. And Tobin Fleming... He lives in New Zealand now, and he comes to America once a year to go on tour for four or five months. He's a stadium site coordinator for big tours. Talk about the departmentalization of the touring industry. Tobin Fleming will walk into a stadium two weeks in advance and when, and, and using a band just as, as a reference. When, the day the Rolling Stones walk in, the stage is built, the show is up. And Tobin Fleming is on his way to the next city because he couldn't give a shit who comes in as long as he did his job. You know, there are guys like that. I mean, Patrick Ledwith, who's a Cockney Englishman, whose mom and uh, he and his mom grew up in Barcelona, Spain. So he speaks like a Cockney English. He can speak Cockney rhyme and Spanish faster than his English and American English and and, and climb up the side of a building with a pair of suction cups and build a stage. He's another, he's a carpenter. He's a, a, a stage manager as well. Now he, he, I don't know if he still does, but he worked for Metallica for 10 years and they wouldn't do a show without him. And nobody could tell a secret in South America, but they didn't know that. You know, guys like that. We've had guys who were, uh, Chris Pollan, whose name you may hear in passing, he passed away and he, and, and, and it was sad. You know, because we loved him. And he walked three tours of Vietnam and died in Los Angeles. You know, I mean, the guys, the guy was a, a Green Beret and, and did three tours in Vietnam, came home a lot and then died in L.A. But he died. He was seven years old. Don't get me wrong. He didn't he didn't he didn't, he didn't step on a on a landmine. He just died. But we all knew these guys. We all knew them from the beginning of our relationships to the end. You know, um, I'll tell you what I learned how to do on tour. Cry. I learned sensitivity. The one thing, I, I, I'm, again, I, this is about Sam, but I will tell you about Edward. Okay. Good or bad. 
good or bad, whatever anyone says about the relationship between Van Halen, uh, the brothers, and Sam and Mike and everything, that's the that's their business. I will tell you about Ed as a person. The one thing about Ed that I learned early on was that he is sensitive. He has incredible sensitivity about humanity and feelings. And when when he got emotional, he would cry. And when he would get emotional, I would cry, you know. And so so nowadays, you know, I'm sitting there at, at a college graduation. I'm watching my daughter walk down the aisle and I'm crying like a baby, you know. And I'm listening to my youngest daughter sing the national anthem at her college graduation because she's an opera singer. And I'm crying like a baby. And I'm, you know, and I'm thinking about Wolfie getting married and I'm crying like a baby. I mean, I've never... I never cried like like I did. And, and luckily, my dad was still alive. I got to tell my dad that I loved him. Like Edward did to his father every day before he died. But I never thought that being in the rock and roll business and being a dirtbag, beard-swilling son of a bitch would still leave me as a, as a loving, caring person capable of crying out of joy, not just sadness. And, uh, and, and I think that's part of also what living the touring life and, and living the life with grown men sleeping in smelly cans called tour buses and waking up every day and looking at the same ugly faces instead of your wife, you, you, you really do. You know, it's what Oak does in, in the barrels to the wine you really come out smelling great and and you really come out um if you come out the other side you come out good some guys don't come out the other side and you wish they could have and they're and you do whatever you can to help them you know i literally ha- i literally have talked the guy in off the ledge of a hotel when he broke up with his girlfriend i said there was absolutely nothing nothing more important than you walking in that hotel room and living another day. There is nothing, nothing that should stop you. And that's, you know, touring. I mean, people do that, you know, accountants, mail clerks, people do that. People go crazy, you know. But touring was a, it's not for everybody, but it was a wonderful life for me. Hi, this is Cameron Schubert, the head brewer of a Red Rocker Brewing Company, and you're listening to The Bogus Oda Show. How has life transitioned for you now? So you you finished with Van Halen after the, the Gary Sharon 3 tour in 1999. Yeah. Um, we know that you are in the transportation, logistics kind of business yeah. now. Sort of how how did that all evolve? How did how did you service. get to that point? I'm 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 a service provider. I can clean your shoes on a tour. And I can order you a birthday cake in, in Boston from a hotel concierge. And I can get you a car in Kathmandu, Nepal. Um, my company is ground transportation. I'm a broker. And everything about what I've been, what I did, and what I'm capable of doing manifests itself in the company that my wife and I have built. My wife is my partner. 51%, I might add, Uncle Sam. Um, okay. And... Uh, Yes, it is a woman-owned business. And uh, I, when I was off tour, I'd work in a limo, limo business. I'd be a chauffeur. I'd be sales and marketing. So I went from the back seat in touring to the front seat as a service provider. 
and and just <clears throat> having done what we did and having done what I did with bands for so long. Listen, we uh, our chauffeur was missing in Fresno, California. I jumped in the front seat of the limo and drove it to the airport. And 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 Ed and Al were talking about where we were going to go and talk, thinking I was a chauffeur and I was sitting in the front seat next to the chauffeur. And 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 they said, are, are we going to go through this letter? I said, shut the fuck up. I'm busy. And Ed came through the <laughs> hole in the window and there was Bob driving. So the, the limo company hopefully has claimed that re- that car from the tarmac. But, you know, I, I have a I have 750 musical groups, concert touring bands that use my company. And uh, the experience and expertise comes from what we did and what I did and what my team has done. My team, I have a woman who works for me who was my ground transportation coordinator for Rolling Stones tours. I have a woman who works for me who was my, Janet Jackson's personal assistant and who ran a record company. Another woman who designed her own limousine software system designed for outdoor music festivals and, and was the, the transportation director for the New Orleans Jazz Festival, the Newport Jazz Festival, the Monterey Jazz Festival for 15 years. And she, before that, she did tour managing and stuff. So, I mean, I have a really, I have a really uh, job-specific team. And well, I, I do simply have the best company in the world for what we do. And at, at this point, in all modesty, um, you know, it's our, you know, there isn't any other limo, there isn't other, any other tour manager or road manager in the limousine business. There are guys in the, in the, in the country in San Francisco and Chicago and Dallas who, who, you know, they've been doing rock and roll cars forever. No one's physically been on the road. So I'm 72 years old. I was on the road for 50, 40 years. And for the last uh, 20 years, I'm doing this. And I still go on the road and visit people. I still go here and go there, but we're, you know, we're, I'm, I'm, uh, it, what I am today is an, is a direct manifestation of who I was and, and what I learned and, and and prepared for another world, another life. Because I mean, uh, <clears throat> uh, I chose not to stay on the road. I chose to to uh, to be a uh, to be at home and, and see my my kids grow up. <laughs> I mean, after a certain age, <laughs> you know, I was on the road for you know uh, uh, for a while, yeah, but. Uh, but my kids remember when I was away. Now they they dread that I'm home. <laughs> that was comedy. Yep. But I have a 34 year old daughter who's got an eight eight month old grandson. She's in Maine. She's moving to Los Angeles because her husband works for a, a music management company. My youngest daughter lives here. She's moving to L.A. She'll be living next door to my other daughter. And uh, you know they're all. My oldest daughter's birthday is the same day as Keith Richards. And they both know it. <laughs> you know, they both know it. And Keith Richards still wants to know how my daughter Petra is, you know. Nice. And uh, so we're, we've had a one, uh, you know, my wife and I have had a wonderful life. And, uh, and touring was great. But, you know, and, and you're young. If you're young and you want to tour, do it. If you're old and you want to stay home, try That's pretty awesome. Well, look, man, I think you have those ever readies in you as well, man. You uh, seem like you're full of energy and full of uh, wisdom yeah. and one-liners, man. I love it. So let, let me ask, I mean, one of the questions I want to ask is, um, 
I worked on a music video with Sammy and the person I was uh, connected close to was a man named Carter, uh, who I know was also part of Tina Turner in the mid eighties. Did you know Carter? Well, how well did you know him? Last name? Well, he goes, well, his, he just goes by Carter, but I think his name was John Carter. Oh, sure. Oh, um, John Carter was, uh, he was an audio guy, correct? Uh, he started that way, but he ended up being Sammy's manager while he was in Chickenfoot. But I also oh, I know, I, he told me he was with Tina Turner in the mid-80s, right? So I wonder if you guys crossed paths. The name sounds familiar. I mean, I know a John Carter who's who's from New York, who's married to an Irish woman. Now, you may or may not be him. He was about six feet tall, thin, very soft-spoken. No, this guy, well, he, um, sadly, he passed away about 10 years ago. But uh, awesome guy. I'm just curious if you guys must have crossed paths because the Tina Turner connection. I didn't know the Chickenfoot guys. I didn't know the Chickenfoot guys. Um, was Chad Smith in that band? He was. Yeah, no, I, I didn't quite know those Chickenfoot guys. I remember, you know, I, I when Sam started being Sam, I stopped being Sam's guy. You know, I, I didn't work. There was a guy named Scotty Ross. Have you heard that name? Yeah, where's yeah, he? Sure have. Yep. Okay, you know, I'm, I've known Scotty for almost 50 years. I mean, Scotty's been more in contact with the latter stages of Sam's career than I have. Uh, Scotty stepped in and tour managed Poison when I left to go back to Tina Turner. Scotty spent four years with Poison on the road. Um, so, no, I don't know all those guys. I don't know all those. John Carter doesn't sound familiar to me. I, you know, uh, I don't know. I started back with Tina Turner in, in 1986. So if he did, um, if he did the first tour of, of Tina's career, I didn't see him. I was. Yeah, I second. think he was. He was. He was with Capitol Records. I think he somehow or some way mm, resurrected no. her career in the mid 80s or something. Right. Doesn't ring a bell. Sorry. All right. One more question for you. Uh, Canada. What's it like? You know, what are the differences between you know you're on tour in the states or other countries? Is Canada nice? Is it a great country to tour in? What are we like? Have you ever been to Montreal? I have. Okay. Um, no, I'm not going to make a reference to the strip clubs. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. So now we move on to Vancouver. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I like I like Canada. I was just talking about Saskatoon the other day when we got into Saskatoon like real early in the morning one time, and I saw a damn moose walk across the street. In, Sa in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Well, welcome to Canada, eh? Yeah, we're not That's in Los Angeles no, 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 anymore. No, it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> we're just talking about how mean animals can be. It's, you didn't, you didn't hit that moose with a tour bus, did you? And nobody. Did. <laughs> but no, Canada's great, and and the audiences are great. And you know, I mean, uh, if one more person up near Muskoka, Lake Muskoka, or Barry, one of those places, calls a 9,000-square-foot house a cottage, I'm going to hit them. Yeah, that's but, it. <laughs> um, but, um, but you know, I, I love Canada. My uh, my cousin who passed away was a, a, an eye surgeon in, in Vancouver, and, and they have a wonderful family, And, and but he was originally from Virginia. But, you know, the Canadian audiences were great. I mean, and, and we, um, we managed to tour most of it in warmer weather but i remember holy fuck i remember moncton and halifax in cold weather it's i mean how do you even drive there you know what i mean it's just it's amazing but you know it is a little colder than 
you know, Florida. <laughs> it is a different climate. We have two yeah. seasons, construction and winter. Yeah, road construction in winter is, that's the season oh, in Canada. That's, that's it. <laughs> that's you know, it. Toronto, Toronto is always a great place for us. Um, and uh, Calgary, I never really, I never got to learn I never got to appreciate Calgary as much as most as, as much as I've heard about it lately. Um, Vancouver, you know, we only were in pretty major places, Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver on a regular basis. Um, and it was great. It was just great. Uh, the, you know, the people are great. They're, I've, I've never met, a, I've, I've never met anyone that wasn't a just absolute wonderful in Canada. I mean, you guys grow nothing but nice people. Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I actually admire your, your, uh, your multi-party system and the fact that everyone seems to be very patriotic, for lack of a better word, patriotic. The fact that you can get five or six or seven different political parties on an election, elect five or six or seven different parties to different political offices, and everybody works together for the good of the country. I mean that it, it, it really it really is a different country than America, and your and and your country is um, I think collectively more patriotic than ours. So I I I don't mean to take that out of the rock and roll business, but touring's great. I mean touring in Canada is great because there's straight roads. Um, I don't know about driving through the Rockies; it's another story. But um, but you know as as people. You know, it, it's been it was wonderful. And uh, I do as a as an American citizen, I salute you for your patriotism and your ability to work with multiple political parties instead of our two bunch of fucking idiots. Well, we we appreciate and we'll take that kind comment. And Bob, I hope you look at Darren and I as, uh, you know, equal great Canadians as well, because um, we've had an absolute blast. Uh, chatting music with tonight. music transcends all international boundaries indeed you know, it does we, we've just been talking about we've talked about hagar and we're talking about van halen and none of that has they, they do not drape them flag themselves in flags they drape themselves in music and and uh you know that's the good news is we could you guys could be in tokyo or seoul korea or rio de janeiro and we'd be still having the same conversation you know um i don't mean to take that away from canada if you go back through through the time in, in the entertainment industry and you analyze the creativity levels and the success levels and really the innovation levels, think about that. Australians and Canadians, Australians and Canadians have it hands down over Americans. Look at look at who they are. Look at who look, you know, look, look at who the hero, Australians and Canadians. Duh. I mean, you know, I mean, everybody from Jody Mitchell, Gordon Lightfoot. Michael Bublé. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, there's, uh, you know, Getty Lee, Alex Lexon, you know, Neil Peart, um, Mike Reno. Oh, God. You know, but I mean, it's, a, it's you know, think about actors, comedians, you know, thinkers. You know, Canada, man, per capita, you got it. You got it. Very cool. Love Brent, that. I, need, I need to sneak one last question. If that's yeah, okay. do it. All right. Bob, what band would you have wanted to work for, but never had the opportunity? Wow. Good question. Son of a bitch. Say ZZ Top. <laughs> no, 
I know. No, no. Billy Gibbons, Billy Gibbons wife is just too much of a shopper. I'd never be able to follow her around. <laughs> um, you know, Pablo Gamboa by any, any chance. Oh, Pablo Gamboa. Yeah. Would you like his phone number? There you go. He's a cool guy. He's a good guy. No, you know, I'm not going to tell you who my clients are in in my transportation business. That's not something I do. Just think of it as all of them. Um, Pablo Gamboa is good. He's a good lad. Um, and Rob Kern, who worked for Van Halen, was a production manager for ZZ Top. And John Martin, who was the tour accountant for Van Halen, was the tour accountant for ZZ Top. <coughs> so we... You know, there's a connection. Uh, you know, we 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 spawned a lot of uh, creativity and, and a lot of business. But uh, so ZZ Top, not the band. Who would you no, want to work for? No, no. I think, wow, possibly Santana. Possibly Santana. Good pick. Um, possibly, possibly in the early stages, Genesis. Um. Possibly um, um, Hall and Oates until I got to know Daryl. <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> don't, let's not go there. Um, um, I think I would have loved to have worked for Joni Mitchell. That's cool. You know, um, and um, aside from that, probably. Uh, the London Philharmonic on tour. I could have ran around the orchestra and played every instrument if I did. At least one note. Because you're you're from a music background yourself, right? A little bit. I'm a hand I'm a percussionist, but you know, just I, I would have loved to have worked for an orchestra. Very cool. I get sidetracked easy. No, no, no. You got great stories. Are you kidding me? This is awesome. Well, you know, there there are there are those drunken I'll never forget those stories and there's <laughs> drunken I'll never remember those stories. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was uh I can tell you I think I mentioned to you when we were chatting on the phone uh last week, it was a cold March day in 1998, uh just when the Sharon Van Halen 3 album was coming out and Van Halen did a autograph signing at oh, the man. old Sam the Record Man store on Young Street in Young Toronto. Street. Right, and uh, I know you were there because you were the guy right at, at the table taking everybody's thing to get signed and passing it to Mikey, and it went Mike and Alex and Gary Sharon and then Eddie, and I was there that night, and I got a whole poster signed by the whole the whole whack of them. That was uh, the one time that I got to meet Eddie Van Halen, and I will never ever forget that moment. That day was unbelievable. Same you know, story I mean, here, man. I was behind Brent somewhere. We were probably very close to each other that night. We didn't say, know. We always, Sam we the record met. man. That's the yeah. that yeah, that was the street that had like a trolley track on it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah. And, it was uh, super we cold out, that we night. Came man. in the side door and everybody came up. It was up two levels in the upper level of yep. the store. Yeah, that's it. Yep, yep. The front of the record store had two like uh, red records. The lights spun yeah, like yep, this. Yep. It was yeah. freezing. And cold. you know what I had that yeah. same day? Panzerata. You know, I mean. The fact of the matter is, is that, I mean, Sam, Sam was, um, Sam had his own business. He had, he did his own business. He was, he was his own man. He was, he was, a, I mean, he was a self-made millionaire, obviously. Um, and he, and he looked out for himself. He didn't need, he didn't need looking after. 
And but that Ben, as the road manager, you I, you know, when they got rid of the eight midgets and the five bodyguards and all the people at Van Halen, it came back down to being a man's band. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't need bodyguards. The only fight that ever happened was um, I mean, was in a hotel and somewhere somebody threw a drink in an elevator. And the elevator door mysteriously opened back up again, and I ran out, and just knocked the shit out of the guy down. One, you know, but it, but the only fight that really happened was coming off the stage, a body, a security guard in the venue, not letting me flash my light on the stairs, and Alex Van Halen lifted the guy up and got the fight because he was about, he looked like he was about <laughs> to accost me, and Alex Van Halen protected me. So that's amazing. Bob's the bodyguard. Had Alex working after him. Was, there you, you go. Know, we went, they went from literally, it went from 10 or 12 touring security and image people to zero. And it was a road manager and a tour manager, you know, and it was amazing. And, you know, it was just a bunch of grown men. So yeah. it was different. Do you, uh, it was a whole different is ball Alex game. Van Halen okay. someone you can just call up nowadays? Are you, are you oh, yeah. still talk oh, yeah. to Alex Van Halen? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if he answers the phone, I mean, if he's not playing a video game, um, you know, his wife is also Danish. My wife is Danish. They're friends. We're friends. Um, you know, we, you know, we I'd house sit for Al and, and, and look after his son, who is probably now six foot three and who knows what. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no, it, I did my job. I did my job. And it's like, you know, it's like cats. Do you have any pets? Oh, yeah. Do you have any? Yep. yep. Okay. You leave them alone, they jump in your lap. I did my job. Late at night, the phone would ring. Can you get me this? Can you do this? I need, I have shows from the show before. Can you get take that into the gig the next day? You know, I did my job, but I didn't. I wasn't a socializer. It wasn't my job. But if somebody said, hey, I'm bored. You want to go out? Let's go. Okay. You know, but that wasn't my job. I wasn't the cruise director. I was the road manager. And if they wanted a social director, they, you know, they had to get one. But when somebody said, we're going to be in Hershey, Pennsylvania, can you set something up? We're going to be in Orlando. Can you set something up? Nobody did it better. And, but it wasn't my job to, to entertain them. And, 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 and touring, you know, to listen, 21st century touring today is a whole lot different. Kids are younger. They're richer, faster. They they don't they never paid the dues that 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 Ed and Al paid. You know they got famous on YouTube or 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 TikTok or who the fuck knows what. And the next thing you know, they're famous and they're touring, they're doing arenas. Same thing with every genre: country artists, rock and roll guys. You know EDM. There's no there's no nobody's ever nobody pays their dues the way the old guys used to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm. I'm glad they're my clients in the other business, not touring. You know, <laughs> when's Skrillex the... take his fucking limo for 42 hours? I don't care. <laughs> when's the last time you broke bread with Sam? Two years ago. But he lived in Florida for a minute. But I had the last time we had dinner was at the Boca Raton Club in Boca Raton, Florida. And we celebrated the uh, uh, we celebrated Chris Pollan's birthday at a meeting where he was, Sam was going to play and at the uh, uh, Pompano Beach Amphitheater 
and I drove over for two, a day and a half, and so and and hung out with them and Mikey and 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 the and the Wabo Ritas, uh, in in Florida, and uh, I brought two bottles of Chris Pollan's favorite wine. Okay, which is a which well, I, it's it's good enough for Sam to drink, but just cheap enough for me to afford. Sam's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a wine connoisseur, you know. Yeah, nice. Um, but but this these were two expensive. In my budget, they were two expensive bottles of wine. But when when he when when I passed it to him, he looked down and he knew why they were there, because it was Chris Pollan's wine. It was a Sassicaia, Super Tuscan, and and that was the wine he drank. And Sam and I had our moment, you know, from ten feet away, we had our moment, and that's cool, you know. It's a unique thing about concert touring is the, the closeness and, and the, um, the incredible closeness that develops. And, you know, 20 years from now, Sam and I are going to open a bottle of Sasakaya and we're going to think about Chris Pollan and there's going to be a hug involved and maybe a tear. Not 20 years. He'll be 96. Um, <laughs> five years from now. You know, I mean, listen, you know, I'm 72. And, and he's had Sam's had the good fortune to start living his life really really well i mean you know for you know a number of years obviously he's been very very successful but he's got cabo he's got a house he's got a new wife and two wonderful kids and he's got this guy and that guy that, that, that. so he's 76 and he's already full-blown full speed in his life i'm full-blown full speed in my life and and i've been very fortunate i put two girls through school college without a, without a loan i have a wonderful grandson and and more hopefully more on the way and and um, and and money in the bank, and now at seventy two, I'm gonna I gotta start living my life and not wait until I'm eighty two to start it because we I, I I'm not a rock star so I don't have a hundred million dollars, okay, but you know Sam is a good example to me to not wait, you know if you can see something, you better get going towards it, and that you know I, and and my wife my wife and I have worked hard for twenty years in our business. We've worked hard for 35 years raising our kids and we've worked hard for 37 years being married and we've worked hard for 39 years being a couple and, you know, 72 years old. What the fuck? Let's go. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you, Bob, um, it's, this has been, it's been really refreshing to hear this perspective from you as well. And it, what's interesting to me is, Everybody talks about uh, Sammy as such a family guy, such a great guy, so loyal to everyone. And clearly it's a like people attract like people. I mean, there, there is, I'm not blowing smoke. There, there's, there is not a disingenuous bone in your body. We can tell like you're, you're just an honest guy and it just to hear you talk about life the way you are is, and this has nothing to do with the, the podcast or anything. It just, it's kind of cool to talk to someone who's lived a very interesting life as you have. And you're just like, I just want to live and enjoy my, myself. Right. It's just cool. Well, you know, there's the other perspective is I'm a failure and I'm an underachiever and I didn't finish college and I don't have a medical degree, but I am ambitious. Yeah. Okay. Um, and there are days when we all look back, including Sam, when, you know, you might have wished that you were a little smarter. You might have wished that you were a better speller. You might have wished that you did something different. And then you wake up and you go, fuck, I love being alive. 
Okay, but you know, truly, I mean, listen, I uh, I tried college, I tried university, I tried this, I tried that, but I never stopped working. So if anybody asks about Bob Dates, the one thing you have to tell them is he ain't lazy. And that I mean, maybe Sam's not lazy. Sam is not unwilling to self-promote. So there's maybe that one, one trait that will distinguish you from your neighbor. That guy, your neighbor, is a great thinker and a great analyst and figured out a way to design a software program for medical transmissions and, and, and built, a, built up an empire. Me, I can stay busy, you know, and I'm, and I'm, and Sam, he can stay busy, you know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's, I think the highest compliment should be paid to you by yourself. In, t- in this world today, as cutthroat as it is, you really have to be your biggest fan, your own biggest fan in order to survive. And uh, nobody loves Sam more than Sam. And it shows in a good way, in a good way, okay? He's a self-marketing dynamo. Me, I work every fucking minute. On the other hand, you want to know about my company? I'll tell you. I'm never the, I will be the first person to tell you what I do, how I do it, and why if you don't use me, you're an idiot. But, you know, like I said, I put two girls through college without a loan. And, and, and every day that kid looks at me on FaceTime, he smiles because he recognizes my voice and my face. And so do my kids. So <laughs> it's amazing. It's a, the, the concert touring culture. It, it, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know much else. All I know yeah. is that I have friends who will be my friends till my dying day from this. And it's not because I was dick. I, 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 I go back to cities and people go, what happened? What happened to you? What happened to the other guy? Oh, he stopped doing blow and he started being, he says, you're nice. What happened to that <laughs> other guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here I am. Oh, great. So great. I can, I remember too, there's a, there's a, a really um, million time watched on the 5150 tour entertainment tonight. There's an interview with the band, um, big, like seven minute long thing. And there's a moment right in the middle of the clip, you, you are walking back in the backstage area and there's a bunch of people milling around. And this is, this is in the entertainment tonight clip. It's on YouTube. You go walking up to them and you just look them in the eye and you said, ladies and gentlemen, the show is about to start and the best place to see it is out front. Like, get the fuck out and watch the show. It was, it's awesome. So great. <laughs> listen, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Oh, no. Listen, I, I, uh, I'm not afraid to talk. I'm not afraid of people. And, you know, <laughs> and, and there are days when I, I can't wait for a guitar string to break so I can go out and talk to 50,000 people. Yeah, you there know? you go. <laughs> but, um, but I... You know, listen, it's it's rock and roll. It's rock and goddamn roll. If you look at the Rolling Stones display at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, there's a picture in the upper left-hand corner behind Keith is Bob Dates. I manage. I'm in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You're in the Rock Hall. <laughs> there you go. Um, if you've got any interesting pictures that you're willing to share, like maybe it's... Not a one. Not a single one. The only one I have was in Rolling Stone Random Notes. Oh, there you go. If, and you probably have seen this. It's the it's the picture with Alice in Chains 
on stage, walking up right behind Van Halen during yes. Best of Both Worlds. Yes, yeah. I took that picture. Oh, I know the photo you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, And I call it straight arm photography. Yeah. I walked into the pit, stuck my hand with a camera straight up in the air. The picture was perfectly framed. Yeah. It was perfectly framed. And Ed Leffler went, can I have this picture? I think I know where I want to send it. <laughs> and the next day he called Jan Winner. That's crazy. But it's my shot. I know the photo you're talking about. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. They're all wearing Van Halen uh, G-strings or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, Bob, thank you for taking the time to chat with us. This has been an absolute treat, a really, really cool look back. And uh, we're really grateful for you spending some time with us. I hope I didn't disappoint you. <laughs> no, man, no. you're a lot of fun. Thanks. That was good. That was good fun. Thank you. Thank yeah, you, man. Tons of fun. Appreciate it, Bob. Yeah, we got some great stuff. And uh, that's why, you know, we want to say you can catch the magic moment and do it right here and now. And the reason why is we're the Bohos out. The Bogus Bonus Show is produced by Right Now Entertainment. Hosted by Darren Bristow and Brent Kinnair. With audio and production assistance by Andrew Wright record ready in association with right now entertainment what is understood need be discussed